Welcome again to another edition of Like Trees Walking. I am Michael J. Nelson, and with me is Pastor Dave Brady, pastor of City of Lakes Covenant Church in sunny Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sunny sometimes, Minnesota. Yes. Uh, this is episode 102 of Like Trees Walking. This is the podcast where we talk about the most important topics in life, uh, in, in we talk about them from a Christian perspective. In a postmodern world, someday yes. we'll have to explain to everyone what a postmodern what is a postmodern. World. <laughs> we'll we'll explain that, but yeah, and, and our purpose is to engage thoughtfully with those uh, who consider themselves Christian, those who aren't sure what they consider themselves, those who don't consider themselves Christian of any stripe. Well, we just want to be a thoughtful voice in the conversation and, and getting people to think about these big important things. Right, because Christianity has a seat at the table. In the marketplace of ideas, if I may mix my metaphors Please. in a horrible way. Do it cheerfully. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining us again. And um, we should... Uh, oh, I should tell you what's coming up. Oh, well, That's I, what I, I want to know. I want to know. Tease, tease, tease. These are called teasers. <laughs> We're just learning the lingo. We're new to this whole podcast world. Yeah. And Mike, uh, can you tell me about your cans, too? Oh, yes, of course. I have got some. No, I don't have cans today. We have buds. That's how low budget this thing <laughs> yeah, is. But if, if anyone wants to send cans. Cans is, I'm, I'm trying to train Dave in on the official uh, uh, names for so the jargon of the industry. Yes. And cans are headphones. So if you're ever in a studio laying down a hot track, just uh, tell the engineer, hey, my cans need a little more heat. <laughs> <laughs> or give them a thumbs down and, you know, so is it's that cans. Where, is that where the, is there a song called Canned Heat or something like that? <laughs> oh, it's called, is that from, there's a band, right? Yeah, it's a band called Canned Heat. Do you think that's where that's it came from? from like the 60s. So I don't know where that came from. What, just because it has the word can in it? Yeah. That was a, that was the biggest reach you've ever done on this pod, <laughs> on this short, short time we've been doing this podcast. I nominate that as the biggest reach. Okay. All right. What else do we got? All right. Well, thank you for joining us. What we have today is first we're going to engage. We're going to almost continue a question we had last time or just a topic we had about yep. uh, uh, science and religion. We'll get to that in a minute. But we also have coming up a special guest, a very erudite man who's going to share his mind with us on this topic. So that'll be in just a little uh, bit. And it's our a first guest. Yes, our first guest. And also the popular, extremely popular, I'd say, growing every day, the yeah. lightning round. It might become its own show at some <laughs> point. I think it's that popular. The lightning round is the game we invented here. It's a game made up of only lightning rounds, no general questions. Dave is put under the gun and has to answer these questions as rapidly as possible. And today's questions are movie-based. And because you are a pastor, they are movies about Jesus. Oh, uh, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Uh, don't get ahead of yourself. It's basically young all man. Jesus Christ superstar. It's pretty. No, much it's my not. Guy. I've uh, this uh, quiz digs deep, but oh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, we still have to answer the biggest questions of the day. And last episode, we talked about the intersection of science and faith, and whether they intersect at mm -hmm, all, and mm -hmm. what is science, and what does faith have to say about science, and vice versa. And today, we want to address this question. It's sort of a general assumption out there, I think, from the, the yay science people, mm -hmm. that uh, science is, is on the side of the unbeliever. In other words, the facts are all with us. The facts, the true facts of life, the things you can touch, taste, smell, and see. Science has that down, and we have discovered 
obviously there is no God. What say you to that, Pastor Day? Yes, it's it's like uh, when it comes to the when you frame science and religion as a as a versus religion, and it's a battle. Um, and you say like, ha, this is like, basically when it's the battle, it's like when you bring science, you know, it, you're bringing a gun to a knife fight, you know, and it's, it's, it's just over. It's you're just done. not fair. It's not fair, man. And so it, but really I think that the science versus religion thing is masking. It's really masking and misportraying what the actual conflict is. You know, and that is the actual, take the mask the, off. I'm taking you, <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. It's Adam Driver underneath that mask, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. Yes, it is. So here's, so here's what that's a great Kylo Ren reference, <laughs> by the way. So here's what's happening. When you take off that mask, it's actually not science versus religion. It's two competing philosophies, two competing ideologies. Two competing religions, I would ah. say, and the religion—it's—it's it's, you know basically uh, Christianity versus another religion called uh, naturalism or materialism. And you talked briefly last episode about what materialism is. Mike, could you just re- refresh us what that might be? Materialism or is about people that they're into stuff and everything. <laughs> like, they buy like really expensive couches. And I'm not materialistic at all. Like no, materialism no. is. Uh, a ph- philosophical belief that m- the material and matter is all there is. There is no non-material things. Mm-hmm. We are atoms crashing into each other, and that's it. Just two, that's the whole story. Just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl. <laughs> if if the fishbowl were atoms, okay, never mind. So, what but yeah, is, what is that reference? Is that canned heat again? <laughs> canned heat. I think that's Pig Floyd. Wow, your references you're too young for these references. Man, these I, should be mine. I'm a man. child I'm a child of the eighties. We had we had Nick at night, so we get kinda all the old and the new at the same okay. time. So right. uh, and Napster, uh, we had that too, so we could illegally download lots of old music. You are immoral, sir. Uh, well we'll get into that later. How dare right. you tell me science has nothing to say about morality. Anyways, <laughs> okay. So but it's it's a it's a religion, you know, an ideology, however you want to call it. And I don't use the term religion pejoratively. Um, people who are materialists tend to use that term pejoratively. Yeah, right. Basically it means uh, irrational superstition or baseless superstition. But we all start from a metaphysical perspective. We all start from pre existing prior commitments about how we understand the world. And materialism is just one of those, and it says there is no God, and it says, you know what, science is on my side for saying there is no God because, you know, we've explained the origins of the universe with the Big Bang, and we've explained the origins of humanity uh, with evolution, and so, you know, these two things are on our side, and your big claims, you know, Christianity are that God created the universe and that he created human beings to be special, and uh, so the universe is, you know, uncreated, and human beings have, you know, uh, are hairless apes that have, you know, come to be through a process of, you know, natural selection. So there is no room for your God in this universe. We can explain it totally ourselves, and science is on our side. So go crawl back in your little hole, you gap-tooth hillbilly, <laughs> and your stupid backwards beliefs. I think that's implied. Yeah, the it end is. Of it. It I, is. Don't, I don't mean yeah, to put exactly. words in their mouth. But, exactly. Uh, but it's like, you know, you ignorant, benighted fool, uh, mouth-breathing troglodyte. Like yes. you have been, you've been pwned or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but, and then to which, you know, it's like, instead of cowering back in your hole, you can say, wait a second, wait a second. Yes. There's another side to this. If you hold to a materialist ideology, there's actually very good reason to doubt that science is even possible from within that framework. <gasps> what? Yeah. Explain. Huh. Well, why should I explain. 
Why don't we bring in our guest? Let's bring our special guest in, and Mike uh, can please reveal who it is. All right, we were being a little coy. We, we He's not live here because he no longer lives, at least on this earth. Uh, not in this plane. No. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, one of our favorite philosophers, writers, thinkers, humorists, artists, novelist, poet, historian, anything else that I missed? Uh, essayist, journalist, gastronomist, he sartorialist, sartorialist. He uh, turn of the turn of the nineteenth century man, uh, contemporary of H. G. Wells, a contemporary of Bernard Shaw. He wrote endlessly and and epically and cogently on many things, but uh, religion and science was one of them. And so we have him reading a little passage from his classic book, Orthodoxy, right now that should. Shed some light on exactly what you're talking about. G.K., please enlighten us. Yes, the floor is yours. Evolution is a good example of that modern intelligence which, if it destroys anything, destroys itself. Evolution is either an innocent scientific description of how certain earthly things came about, or, if it is anything more than this, it is an attack upon thought itself. If evolution destroys anything, it does not destroy religion— but rationalism. If evolution simply means that a positive thing called an ape turned very slowly into a positive thing called a man, then it is stingless for the most orthodox. For a personal god might just as well do things slowly as quickly, especially if, like the Christian god, you were outside time. But if it means anything more, it means that there is no such thing as an ape to change, and no such thing as a man for him to change into. It means that there is no such thing as a thing. At best, there is only one thing, and that is a flux of everything and anything. This is an attack not upon the faith, but upon the mind. You cannot think if there are no things to think about. You cannot think if you are not separate from the subject of the thought. Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. The philosophic evolutionist reverses and negatives the epigram. He says, I am not, therefore I cannot think. Ah, well, thank you, G.K. Uh, You know, he sounds so smart. When a British voice, it it just means that what that person is saying is is 30% smarter than what I'm saying. Well, thank you, G.K. Uh, Take a couple of sandwiches before you leave. Have a pipe on the porch. and Uh, uh, Have a a wee dram, too. We'll meet you for a dram afterwards. Yes, yeah, so unpack that for us a little bit, if you could. What is he saying there? I think he's a clear thinker, but let's just go over what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for GK. He speaks very well for himself. But if I were to summarize what he is saying, it's that um, he's not arguing at all. You know, typically you think so. If someone is a, a Christian, then they need to be arguing, you know, stridently against uh, evolution uh, if they're an Orthodox Christian. But he's saying, no, 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 no. He's saying that's not the case at all. In fact... Um, evolution, on the one hand, is just a way to describe maybe the way that uh, human beings, you know, came to be from a sort of a lower order to a higher order. But he's saying that if that's all that there is, if you remove God from the equation, if ours is just a more developed, uh, you know, brain of a, uh, you know, a, a ape brain, and if it's just all biology, physics, and chemistry all the way down, why do we have a good reason for trusting that our minds are, um, you know, producers of uh, true and intelligent thoughts, that there's a correspondence between the external world 
and our mind. And in fact, if our thoughts are nothing, you know, just a, a chemical reaction, a neurological and chemical reaction happening in our brains, what good reason do we have in a purely materialist sense to believe that that has any correspondence whatsoever to the outside world? In fact, I would say that we have a really good reason to doubt that, to be extremely skeptical, because if the sole purpose of evolution is to produce beings that reproduce themselves, who cares if our thoughts are true or not? Right, and and I think uh, the title of his chapter says it all, The Suicide of Thought. It's, it is a suicide tactic to say, I am just, a, I just, I have an ape brain. <laughs> You know, like, well, then why should we trust your ape brain and its thoughts, right? Yes, exactly. And especially if they are just, if you are a pure materialist, and it really is just atoms smashing together, they can't even really be called a thought. I mean, it's just, at this point, how is it different from any sort of, like, sweating? Or, you know, it's just something that happens yes. when atoms crash into each other. So it can't be outside of the closed loop, as it were, right? No, we don't look for any deeper meaning from our digestion, right? Like, that is just right, something just... that happens uh, in, within the natural order of things, and there's no purpose or meaning or truth, um, you know, that's happening through it. And so if our mind is a similar type of a thing, it's just something that arose, um, you know, by chance or through natural selection to enable us to survive, this, there's, there's no there there. There's no, you know, as he said, there's no such thing as things because there's no correspondence between the external world and the external um happenings of our mind that rationalism is is really cut off and and let's be fair to the pure materialism there must be an answer to this right what did what did they say about this do you know what would a materialist say in response like my thoughts are th getting outside of, i think they would say that it must somehow be like advantageous um for you know true thoughts that correspond to the actual world to have occurred like that that per that that confers upon the person who holds them a uh a survival advantage you know so that 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 was that was fitted to our environment to help us survive so like you know there was the one neanderthal who thought that the uh. saber-toothed tiger was like uh uh you know a hamburger and so he ran after it and that one ate him and the other one was like no that's really a scary thing so the one who had the true thought uh what we would see as the true thought actually had the ability to survive nice. i think that would be the answer and 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 that answer, which you, I'm not going to dispute the either the truth or the the you know the efficacy of the answer, but the evolutionary biology thing, where there's an answer for everything. Like, give me any human trait, yes. and you could go. Well, when we were in the trees, it was advantage. There's literally nothing they can't answer. No, it's, so I'm there, slightly suspicious of that. Like, you weren't there, but uh, so how do you know that? Well, and it's there. The answer is already there from the beginning. So just guess, like, why you know. Why do we have, uh, you know, why do we have altruism? Well, that, you know, there's no such thing as an altruistic deed. Like, that just somehow conferred some survival advantage. So everything we do, it's what it's a just-so story, right? Like, yeah. everything, the way, like, just we know where we are now, so we can just sort of guess at some survival advantage that was endowed by all these various things that we And do. I would just like to point out, I, they always say, like, when we were hanging in trees, it's like, speak for yourself, sir. I was a cave dweller. We, we were more <laughs> civilized than that. Uh, I was clunking women on the head and dragging them back to my cave like a decent man. Og and grog. That's right. Uh, well, I wanted to bring up another topic. This was my own, so I might be surprising you with this. Oh, boy. Uh, there's a, there's a, a thing out there that says extraordinary claims, and, and this is used against the so-called extraordinary claims mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. Christianity or religion. Um, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. 
And I just wanted to address that because I was thinking about that the other day. First of all, the person saying that gets to say what the extraordinary claim is. You know, like if I could say, hey, I got uh, I got in a fist fight with a bear the other day. You say, that's extraordinary. That is extraordinary. But if it's true and, and that it happened to be, <laughs> then to you, it's not it's not an extraordinary claim. It's like, that's just what happened to me. Yes. So anyway, there is a threshold of evidence there that gets to be, you know, the, the person saying that gets to put it on the other person. And and your example that you gave is wonderful because it actually you actually did get in a fist fight with a bear. <laughs> I know. And that's what I, this is kind of how I wanted to unveil. I wanted to get into this. this Somewhere way. out there, there's a bear with two black eyes. Yeah. You should see the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had uh, a Leonardo DiCaprio help me uh, fend him <laughs> off, but. No, I insulted him, and he, he punched me. He, you know, so really, it was it was both of our faults. No, exactly, I don't want to get into exactly. It. <laughs> but, but yeah, and and then on the other side of it, they require extraordinary evidence. But that's always in the eye of the person exactly. who is waiting to be convinced by something, right? Um, you know, uh, any claim, you could just say, well, there's always that skepticism that can be added as another layer of proof for the person trying to make the claim. Yeah, and you keep sort of. You know, keep raising the bar no matter what. You know, keep moving the goalposts. Um, and so in that way, you can sort of make something insurmountable. There's really no evidence or claim that you could make. You could just go, well, that's extraordinary. Yeah. That's too extraordinary. That's more extraordinary. There was a guy named Benjamin Franklin, and he did X and Y and Z. That's extraordinary. He sounds like an extraordinary man. Think about it. Convince me that he exists, and I could keep shifting that uh, evidence until it's, you know, pure skepticism. We can't live in a world of pure skepticism. That's no, you can't. As, as much as, and I think this it really ties back into our conversation about that we've been having really over the course of the last two episodes about science and religion, is that there's this uh, you know, conceit out there that somehow you know, a scientific mentality is just thoroughgoing skepticism. And that uh, religious perspective is thoroughgoing credulity. You know, that religious people just believe stuff and scientific people just are skeptical of stuff. And, and so much, I mean, 99.9% of what we believe, we've just accepted because... Yeah, somebody some, told us it. You know, I mean, think literally like every... All education is accepting things based on authority uh, to, to a very large degree. Right. You know, all of my historical knowledge I am accepting... Because someone told me. Yeah. And, and it also ties into that uh, phrase that is used, and it's, I, I think, uh, errantly used. Is that the right word? Errantly? I think that's right. Yeah. Errantly used by both, uh, both sides. And that is that you take a leap of faith for, to, you know, in Christianity in yeah. order to have any belief, you start with a leap of faith. But I don't think that's true. I, I, you, it, it's, it, there is evidence. We all go into it with evidence. We have a lot of evidence on our side, whether or not the other person accepts it. Um, but it's not like you you just jump into a belief that is absolutely phenomenally unbelievable. You believe it, and then you believe it because you have evidence for it. So it's not a leap of faith. Um, it, it is, you know, taking the evidence that you have and weighing it against other things. And the Christian claims... Um, make the world fit into place in certain ways. Now, you don't have to accept that, but it is there is a rationale for it. It's yes. not just believe it because. Yeah, and that's and and uh, and the notion that somehow um, religion equals uh, just believe things solely on the basis of authority. I think that comes from a place. Uh, there's there are religious communities like that. Um, there's academic communities like that too, where you there's unquestioning adherence to a set of prescribed beliefs. But anyone who's been a part of an actual religious and theological community knows that there is lively discussion and debate and disagreement. Um, 
and, and thinking, rigorous thinking that, that goes on. You know, this isn't some sort of static set of doctrines that just gets handed down. It's a, it's a tradition, a, a way of thinking, a way of reasoning that gets passed down. But this is not something that's static. Um, it is dynamic. It's moving. It's flowing. It's lively. It's rational. It's intellectual. So, um, you know, it'd be a straw man to say that religious people are just unthinking. Go to any seminary, go to any church, go to any Bible study, and you're going to be hearing people um, wrestling with hard questions and bringing their whole mind to bear on these things. Which, if you go to a materialist meeting, you just don't find that. They're just really dour. They sit around and they eat like Triscuits with no toppings on them. No, They're not even very... like cheese. Wafers. No, it's just like dry and, and the, like the bottom quarter of the bag. So oh. like, it's not even a whole one. Any, I've been to them. That's what they do there, right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, the, yes. Uh, GK, anything to say? Oh, GK has slipped out for a smoke. <laughs> so maybe it's time for us to take a little break. And then when we return, as promised, we have our lightning round with movie <laughs> trivia. And uh, yeah, we also have our new time. theme. We're sort of uh, weighing a new a new lightning round theme. So uh, hopefully the uh, last uh, week's was very popular. But uh, we're sort of putting another one up on yeah, the Yeah, we'll, we'll probably put a poll online somewhere. You can vote on it. So there's a... There's a semblance of connection to us that, yeah. that your voice actually matters. So we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. This is Mike Nelson and Dave Berge and Light Like to Walk. Hey everyone, uh, we hope that you enjoy um, our conversation about the important questions of faith and life in our postmodern culture. And if you do, we just want to ask you to do a couple things. Um, one, if you think that there's someone you know who would uh, like this or love it or uh, hate it, want to argue with you about it, could you share it with them? And also, um, if you do like it, could you please go on iTunes and give it a rate and a review? That will help more people know um, that we're doing this. So we'd really appreciate that. Uh, thank you for listening and go ahead and do that. And welcome back to Like Trees Walking. Did you like that message from Dave in the middle there? Remember to, to like us on 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 the Facebook and the <laughs> yeah, the, but mainly on iTunes or or that's probably the only place we'll post this podcast today. If we're on SoundCloud or, or WhatsApp or Instagram or, or the, twi- all, all the Twitter, all we're asking is that you spend a single twenty-four hour period liking us on various social medias. That's that's not too much to ask, right? And logging into your roommates, spouses, friends' accounts is what they live. They, they have their computers around. <laughs> do that too. We are not asking that. Uh, but yeah, we on the break we had a little. Uh, we had a cigar with GK. Uh, he was sharpening his sword cane out on my deck. Smoking a cigar and drinking, you, you, drinking all my I need whiskey. to reinforce that deck. He has, he's quite a large man. <laughs> he is a large man, yes. Uh, we will continue to uh, probably visit GK. He's one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. He has a lot to say. Shocking, really, when you start reading him, isn't it, about how contemporary his thoughts are. It's as if he had traveled like back from his time to our time. And yeah. that hasn't been ruled out. 
at all. Right. Yeah. Well, he was here. It's so. an extraordinary claim. <laughs> it's extraordinary. Uh, all right. So we were talking about again uh, the the notion that science wins because it has all the facts on its side. And and where did we leave off? Where are we summing this all up with? Uh, you know, I think we're summing this up in a few ways. One that uh, this sort of you know science versus religion um, is not really where the conflict lies. It's materialism versus, you know, versus religion or, or versus Christianity. And who gets to have this thing called science on their side um, is not just a given question. It's not just, hey, the materialist gets this guy on their team uh, automatically. It's like, no, actually, uh, religious faith, Christian faith makes a very good claim for the, the way that it it thinks about the universe for having something called science on its side. So, ha, he was on your team, materialist? Nope, he's on ours. And, and you know, he's in the starting five, at least. Yeah, so they're falsely grabbing the flag and proclaiming victory when, in fact, exactly. it's, it's another competing philosophy that is subject to the same, uh, you know, criticisms that any philosophy is. And it can be argued and tested and thrown out into the... It's a marketplace of ideas. Absolutely. And it uh, has a seat at the table in the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> I'm going to keep said. adding until that is the most Baroque. It's going to have so many levels. Like it's going to be talking about cars, you know, the wheels on that uh, chair when you pull it up to the table of the marketplace <laughs> of ideas. And, and so that was, you know, that was my basic point. And I, and I think that uh, your point piggybacking on that was. My point piggybacking on that was that the uh, another thing that's thrown out is the evidence that Christians bring uh, is totally dismissed because, you know, it's an extraordinary claim. Give me all the evidence in the world. And in fact, Christians for thousands of years have marshaled a lot of evidence and, and the people who hold the materialist banner just have a different philosophy so they don't believe it. But, uh, but it is not that we have not provided that evidence and arguments. There's... <laughs> Go to, go to the internet and look it up. There's a lot of arguments out there. And, exactly, and, uh, and I think we'll probably get into some of those in future episodes. If we're not canceled. <laughs> Gosh, after... there's, a, there's a network <laughs> suit standing right behind Dave, like looking at a clipboard, and he's tapping his watch impatiently. So Man, we're, we're having to go after Leno. It's killing our ratings. I, I know. The lead-in is just so bad. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's get those ratings up. Yeah. That's why you have to like us on Facebook. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully that answers at least some question. And this is an ongoing conversation. I feel like we'll be back on this oh, science religion thing. It's I, a it's a huge topic. It's very it's very very pressing for people out there, and people are very interested. So yeah, I think uh, we'll be back. And I think it's it's a uh, it's a barrier for belief for some people, and it need not be mm -mm, mm -mm, it need not be. Mm -mm. But we will get into that. Yes. In a future episode. But I feel like you are trying to get past this barrier that faces you, this wall you must climb every week, and that wall is the lightning the round. lightning round. It's time to play the lightning round. The theme got really got me in the mood yeah <laughs> to, to face your ridicule and scorn yes i'm ready mike this is just knowledge this you should know this you are a pastor and you're a movie fan as well right yeah 
Why are you being so skeptical? All right, let's go. This is the lightning round. I want the name of the person who played Jesus when I give you the name of the film. Okay. All right. right, So uh, let's keep it moving. Okay. Here we go. Let's go. Ben Hur. That was, of course, none other than Charlton Heston. Oh, he did not play Christ. Was he in Ben Hur? He thought he was Christ in the real world. No, he was in Ben Hur. I believe he played the title character. What's Judah, the title character? Judah Ben Hur. What is what's ben? the title? I don't know what the title character is. I thought I thought it was I thought Ben Hur. Well, what's was the like, title of the film? Well, the title character. That's a good point, I guess. <laughs> it was Claude Heater, the great Claude. What else was Claude Heater in? I have no idea. That sounds like a fake name. You should know this stuff. Okay, you went right. to seminary. I did. Uh, Life of Brian. Oh. um... God, that's easy. That was played by Monty Python. <laughs> no. Someone named Kenneth Colley. I'd never heard was of Was he that. one of the Pythons? No. Who was Brian? Brian was one of the Brian Pythons. Brian was like, he, he, that was the whole. Uh, it's like a parallel life yeah, of it was Christ. Yeah, a parallel life. Right. Um, and I, all I know from that is stay on the, you know, look on the bright side of your life. Right. Can you name any of the Pythons or all of them? Uh, Michael Palin, John Cleese. John Cleese, that's Eric the one I can name. Idol. Um, Boy, I spent so many wasted hours, <laughs> and I can't think of it under pressure. Oh, Graham Chapman, the late Graham Chapman. Was he the American? No, that's the film director whose name also isn't coming to me. Okay. Um, but you're. Uh, I'm just trying to see, man, see. How does it feel to... when I wield the lightning bolts, Nelson? Well, I named, I named five of them. <laughs> well, shit. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, the Robe. Who portrayed the voice of Jesus in The Robe? The Robe? The Robe was uh, Richard Burton, played Marcellus Gallo, I think. Marcellus okay. Gallo. Gene Simmons as his love interest, Diana. Oh, Gene, like from Kiss? <laughs> no. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know. Come on. <laughs> the great Gene Simmons. <laughs> the great Gene Simmons. The, the great uh, beauty of the early Hollywood age. Um, uh, would I know this person's name? Not at all. Uh, let's go with uh, Burl Ives. That was actually, you got in the neighborhood. It was Cameron Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Cameron Mitchell. Silver and gold, silver and gold. <laughs> you, your, your references are old. Uh, this one, uh, I'll give you a hint on this one. Okay. The movie is Johnny Got His Gun. This actor was also in the film MASH. Oh, the film MASH. The God. film MASH. I only know the TV show MASH and barely. Uh, well, then you have Alan Alda. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll give you another hint. He's currently in um, uh, the Hunger Games. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, oh, so oh, 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> no, 1971 film? <laughs> Philip <laughs> Seymour Hoffman wasn't alive yet. Well, I don't know any of the older people in the There's people out Hunger there screaming Games. right now, and they're going, it's Donald Sutherland. Oh, Donald Sutherland. He was in Kelly's Heroes. Yeah, well, see, there you know the old references. Why you said you didn't know? Oh, I, I, I forgot. Okay, this one is, let me see, what is this called? Oh, King of Kings. King of Kings, directed by the great Nicholas Ray. I call everyone the great, because <laughs> I just great. assume they are. Um, oh, my, I've never even heard of this movie, ever. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Nicolas Cage was in a movie directed by... Because you heard the name Nicholas Ray? Yeah, okay. and, right. and that yeah. reminded me of Nicolas Cage. No, this was a 1961 film. 
the great Nicolas Cage was at least three years from being born. Uh, it's Jeffrey Hunter. Jeffrey mm. Hunter. Jesus Christ Superstar. A movie I've seen a couple of clips from on YouTube, and uh, and I have no idea who the actor is. But uh, um, Well, neither do I because I did not write it down. What the, how can you even have the question if you don't? How can you even have quiz. the question without uh, an answer? I don't, I don't know. All right, let's quickly move on and not let's not dwell on mistakes that were made <laughs> okay mistakes, how, Nixon, how nixonian mistakes of were made okay uh let's see the uh, history of the world part one. Oh, i know richard pryor was in it with you a, think that he played jesus or are you no just he would no i know he was in it with and mel brooks was in it he was this does not answer my question uh, mel mel brooks i'll give you a hint this this man also played the elephant man oh yeah doesn't help at all. John Hurt. Okay. The great John Hurt. The great John Hurt. <laughs> he is one. He's a great actor. All right. Uh, Last Temptation of Christ. All right. This one I actually know. I know that it was... I know this film was very controversial when it came out. There was a boycott of it. Martin Scorsese directed. Willem Dafoe. That's right. Played the person of Christ facing his last temptation. Is that the first one you got right? <laughs> yes. Wow, mistakes were made. Uh, the greatest story ever told. The um, greatest story um, ever told. I think it was uh, oh God, okay, okay. Joe Estevez. <laughs> How do you even know Joe Estevez? What kind of movies are you watching? <laughs> I, you I, only, I only know who Joe Estevez is because you, uh, you made me familiar with a movie called, he was in Roller Gator? Roller Gator, yeah. Yeah, so you made me familiar with a movie called Roller Gator uh, through I, your other work. I so. will not be saying the great Joe Estevez. <laughs> the journeyman actor Joe Estevez. <laughs> uh, no, it was Max von Sydow. Oh. Max von Sydow. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I think that's it. Well, You're off the hook. Why not like The Passion of Christ? What about it? Jim Caviezel was Jesus in that. I know that. Well, I didn't want to give that one to you because I knew you'd know it. Well, that's that's not very fun. Or there was the Jesus miniseries with the guy who played Elton in Clueless playing Jesus. Wow. Do I get any credit for it's that? Not, you can't come up with a name. You get <laughs> negative credit for trying to wedge that in there. All right. So you're in the negatives still. You have a, you, Luckily, there are more lightning rounds to come. Oh, <laughs> And we certainly appreciate your knowledge on science and religion. Your knowledge of films with Jesus is sorely lacking, young man. Go back to the seminary. I will. All right. And we will be back again next week answering questions and uh, throwing our ideas out there into a postmodern world. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Yeah, we're throwing them in a postmodern world, and we're seeing what sticks. And we're hoping, again, that you go to iTunes and... Like us. And rate us. Just like the dickens out of yeah, us. Yeah, please do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we have, man. It's all we have. All right. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll join us again next time for Like Trees Walking. This is Dave Berge. And this is Michael J. Nelson. So long. So long. Okay.